You're listening to Adamair MD, GED, Underground Cartoon Therapy. You can tell by the music, this ain't going to be a trip to fucking Chuck E. Cheese. A couple weeks ago, I got contacted by some Ghostbuster chick in Des Moines, Iowa, who wanted to do an episode. She sounded kind of flaky, I don't know, but she did inspire me. I have had some paranormal activity in my life, man. You guys have heard all this other crazy shit I've been through. Kind of makes sense. <laughs> I decided to go ahead and bring back my buddy, the Don't Squeeze the Shaman Shaman. <laughs> and he's going to give some reflection and view on an instance that happened to me. In uh, 2015, yeah, I remember a couple things happened before 2015. One of them was the death of Robin Williams. And, uh, yeah, this is going to (laughs) be a wacky one to swallow, but while I was living on the border of Highland Park in Mount Washington in 2015, I was actually visited by the ghost of Robin Williams. Very real. And, uh, something I had to deal with. I didn't know what to think about it either. I'm going to save all this story for you. One of the connecting elements is the instance of Elise Lamb. And if you ever saw that famous footage of the girl freaking out in the elevator, the little Chinese girl... I found out eerily enough today that the shaman had been connected on an investigation case related to Elise Lamb. Somehow Elise Lamb was very important to Robin Williams too, and I'm going to tell you everything he told me. I'm going to play the sample off of the Joe Rogan show. You know, I'm not opposed to Joe all the way, you know. (laughs) I don't have anything really against him. I'd definitely smoke a bowl with him and talk to him and shit. You know. Uh, You know, he had Bobcat Goldthway on his show. And Bobcat is best friends with Robin Williams, you know. I'll play the sample off there for you. About what he has to say. I'm going to put it in contrast to what Robin Williams said to me according to what my story is to you guys. And then a final breakdown analysis, we're going to talk to the Don't Squeeze the Shaman Shaman, (laughs) which I'll just call C2 for obvious reasons from now on. C2 will be joining me, and uh, you know we're going to go ahead and talk about what he thinks about what happened to Elise Lamb. Sure to be a mind blower. So go ahead and uh, get ready. And uh, turn the lights down. Make sure you're smoking a hybrid if you got that. You probably wanted, You probably don't want to do a too strong of a sativa on this one. 
and indica might knock you out and you'll miss the whole thing. So do a hybrid. And uh, let's get this fucker rolling, huh? That's my new catch line. Let's get this fucker rolling. Let's get this fucker rolling. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I know I've taken you guys on some uh, journeys through some episodes that have been kind of complex, darker, more advanced issues. <laughs> mm. This one's not going to be any fucking exception, man. Like I said in the bumper, fucking met Robin Williams. Came to my house as a ghost. Like, yeah, whatever, dude. <laughs> what kind of drugs were you on that day, Adam? Well, listen up, Buttercup. Because this is fucking going to be one for the books. Before I even tell you about Robin Williams, I'm going to tell you another story. Because I'm going to, right where I lived, man, was like some kind of weird power grid. You know, I lived right on the border of Mount Washington, this gigantic mountain in Los Angeles in the Highland Park area. And on the border of the set and Figueroa is this area where they filmed Reservoir Dogs and all this other shit. I lived in that set. They called it the set. It was all gangbanger territory. Shit was set, ready to roll. You know what I mean? <laughs> Anything could happen at any given time, and it did around there. Pretty rough shit. Crazy stuff. I lived there for a minute. Anyway, this one night I was having amnesia. There's a bus stop in front of my house before it goes down. This makes this turn and heads down towards Figueroa, coming up Avenue 49. And uh, this bus dropped this lady off, and I was outside on my porch, and I was on my front porch smoking a bong at 2 a.m. <laughs> and she looks concerned, and she's just standing there, you know? And I was like, what's wrong? She's like, just standing there still. Doesn't respond. And I was like, hey, lady, what's going on? And I walked over, and she goes... No, no, don't come near. And I was like, okay. And she goes, there's a four-foot coyote in front of me, ready to eat me. And I was like, what? And so I automatically started getting closer. <laughs> I want to see this thing, right? And uh, she's like, no, no. And I looked over my fence anyway, and there wasn't anything there. And I was like, are you okay? You need a hospital? She's like, no, it just ran off. It went... There was a cul-de-sac that went around in a circle. So technically, it could have ran off when I didn't see it, but it had to run fucking fast. And then it would have ran around this little cul-de-sac half and then come back out on the street. Her clear path was from my house to the Gold Line train, if you know anything about L.A. trains. She was heading towards the Gold Line. She didn't get the fuck out of there. So I was like, well, I'll just walk you over there, dude. I don't think there's anything out here, you know? Maybe you're, you just, maybe you thought you saw us. No, I know what I saw. And we start walking, and sure enough, man, this four foot fucking coyote comes around the fucking bend at the other end of the cul de sac, and it's like looking at, looking us up and down. It's like, oh shit. And we started walking a little bit backwards. <clears throat> and, uh, basically, um, 
I heard this, hey, 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 from behind me. And I looked behind me, and uh, there was a guy on a BMX bike. And uh, he's all, what is it? Is it, a, is it a mountain lion? Is it a jackal? I said, no, it's a coyote. And he goes, I got this. And the coyote kind of looked at him, like, with this human kind of look and fucking made a 180 and ran up the fucking side of the mountain, dude. That woman made a clear run and made it to the train. And that guy chased him up the mountain on a BMX bike. You tell me, man. <laughs> anyway, that's my little 420 story. Because <laughs> that's how long that one took. <laughs> but uh, to get back into the actual story... Let's go ahead and just start from the beginning, huh? Alright, the story really starts. I was in L.A. and I was hanging out with these guys, the poor kid's mansion, and became friends with the guy who runs the house, Russ. And uh, we did a lot of punk rock shit together. Had a few Dave and Buster runs and had some chicken sandwiches or whatever. (laughs) And you ain't had an L.A. experience until you've had an L.A. chicken sandwich, believe me. Anyway, it was the House of Blues. Um, they were doing Napalm Death's show. It was basically the last metal show there. Hold on. How's that sound? Is that a little bit better? <laughs> Turn it up, man. Is that Freedom Rock? <laughs> so anyway, dude. You know, we fucking are planning on going. He called me about 6.30 in the evening. Yeah, we're going tonight. All right. Pick you up around 8. And I was like, no, I'll just I'll come on down there, dude. I wasn't far from him, you know. I was just going to drive my car down and carpool with him from there. You never know what's going to happen. You want a car. In fucking L.A. Anyway, dude. About an hour after I got off the phone with him, man, I started getting this fucking migraine, man. I was like, ugh. And it, I noticed it wasn't going to stop anytime soon, and it got really bad until I ended up fucking crippled on my fucking bed, man. And any little sound or anything, dude, you've had that migraine before? Roar is right. Mmm. That motherfucker sucked. I was like, ugh. Passed out, and then all of a sudden, I don't know what the fuck. Uh, I was sitting on the edge of my bed, and uh, I was going through my phone, and it was 1.11 in the morning. And that's how I woke up. Pretty fucking spooky, huh? Hmm. I had long since missed Napalm Death. <laughs> I knew I was going to hear about it, too, from the poor kids. Where the fuck were you, buddy? You missed it. I know. I missed the fucking Napalm. God damn. I thought it was weird. It was just eerie. I got this side door that's in my room, you know? 
And people can come up to the side of my house and knock on the door and come in or whatever, you know, if, they, if I'm there. And as soon as I realized that I was looking at my phone and sitting on my bed and I started putting it together that how I passed out was with a migraine and all this shit. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And all of a sudden I hear this at my door. Well, it's one eleven in the morning. It, it really could have been a few people in L.A. <laughs> already, you know. And um, I was like, all right. So I opened the door, and no one's there. And that's what was spooky, you know. And I felt weird. And I looked up at the mountain, and the moon was out. And as soon as I looked at the moon, I get this from the front of the house. Now I got to go through, make a journey, you know. It's no small task either. <laughs> it takes at least 40 seconds. <laughs> so, you know, I'm getting ready and make the journey to the front of the house and I open the door and there wasn't anyone there. Spooky again. But this time <clears throat> I felt this energy come in. And right away, dude, I went, Robin? And I knew it was Robin Williams. My roommates are passed out, man. You know, they have no idea what the fuck's going on. And I know I'm with Robin Williams. And he's concerned. And he goes, come on, let's go to your computer. We gotta go turn on your computer. I swear to you, it's just like that. All right. So... You know, it's dark in my room. <laughs> Eerie. I turn on the computer. It's got the fucking glowy glow of every Windows glow that ever glowed. And fucking, he's like, ghost box, ghost box, ghost box, ghost box. And I was like, what the hell is a ghost box? And I didn't know what they were. Electromagnetic little pulsar things that can, that are rigged up to hear voices in the spirit world. And I realized there are these guys in Hollywood that are trained to use these ghost boxes to contact dead celebrities. Hmm. And he kept saying, ghost box, ghost box, ghost box, ghost box. I don't know what to tell you, man. It was fucking weird. So, I'm going to go ahead and play you a sample of that. Hold on. I'm going to go ahead and play the ghost box for you. I did want to play this one article that was explaining his death or whatever, but by the time you hear my side of the story about it, it all sounds like a fucking cover-up or whatever. All right, give me one second here. Like it, thumbs up, and subscribe. This one's from Huff Paranormal. Don't it's not the it's original Robin video I was looking for, but Because I'm not check saying that it is indeed Robin Williams. I'm saying it sounds like him. And was it a fluke that I got the messages that sounded like him after I asked? Maybe. Or maybe it is him. We just don't know. Enjoy the video and have a great day, guys. Thank you. All right. He tells you what he's about to say. This is his first contact. Are you there, Robin? It says, we're waiting. And then the guy says it has the same inflection as his physical voice. 
blah, blah, blah. It could be a theory, whatever. That's his opinion over four years of spirit work, he says. <laughs> he says, but wait, there's more. Are you with the angels, Robin? <laughs> Thank you, Robin. <laughs> He says the last time he says fuck, that sounds definitely, but he goes, that's up in heaven, and then he says fuck. <laughs> I must have got it wrong, that's what he says. I guess that's what he may be saying because he's where he is and what he's seeing around him in the spirit dimension. And then he says, this is the third session. Robin, if you're there, can you come through? He says, can Robin come? And then he says, I'm dead. It obviously sounds like him too. It's fucking eerie. And even more eerie that I'm hanging out with him while I'm watching this shit. Here's some more samples. Hold on. He's like pretty convinced though that this is him saying this stuff because of the tonality in his throat and all this other stuff. Can Robin come? Now I'm dead. Yeah. Hmm. He he doesn't know. I'm dead. <sighs> and there's more. God, man. He said, there is light. I'm here with Dad. Anyway. You gotta imagine. <laughs> He's sitting right next to me, and after, like... A bunch of showing me this stuff. He starts talking to me normal. I know, right, dude? You gotta be, like, questionable about I have no proof of this shit. Mm. This is just what happened. And then he starts saying, uh, Elise Lamb, Elise Lamb, Elise Lamb. And I was working with this guy. I was writing this cartoon script with him in L.A., and he was actually working as a valet at the Chelsea on Skid Row or whatever. <clears throat> it's like a notorious motel for all these serial killers and blah, blah, blah. And evil ass shit has happened there and all this other stuff. Hold on, I'm going to tell you about that. Because it totally connects. I didn't know why he was telling me this stuff. But you can see how concerned he was and this look on his face. I could see it. But it was all in my head, right? Anyway, I'm just rolling with it, so hold on. Hmm. So I got Robin Williams stressing out on me, as a ghost, sitting in my room, trying to show me images of Elise Lamb. I'm going to go ahead and... <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and play this one video for you. 
it's a video sample from these two guys that actually go to the Cecil Motel. Sorry, I called it the Chelsea earlier, I think, maybe. Anyway, uh, the Cecil. World famous, you know, evil motel. They'll tell you all about it here. <laughs> They're going to tell you what happened to her, too. Oh, man. I'm glad I can find these little video pieces because it explains it a lot better than I can. Faster, so I can get to my story. So hold on. Alright, here we go, man. God damn it. Fucking technical shit. Alright, let's fix the camera. So today we're driving to the Stay on Main Hotel, or as it was formerly known, the Cecil Hotel, uh, as part of an ongoing series where I tell this guy true crime stories. And today, we have the privilege of actually going there because it's in L.A. And uh, this place happens to be the site of one of the most bizarre mysteries I've ever read. Alright, so we're in our hotel room now. I guess it's time to tell this story. In a giant red chair that's shaped like a hand. <laughs> so on January 26, 2013, 21-year-old Canadian tourist Elisa Lamb checked into the Cecil Hotel in downtown Los Angeles. On February 19th, 18 days from the last time she was seen, Elisa Lamb's body was found naked and floating in a 4-foot by 8-foot water tank on the roof of the Cecil Hotel where mm -hmm. she was staying. This sounds horrible. You want to know what it was that led to her discovery? Uh... It was hotel guests complaining about the low water pressure from the hotel. Which was already a movie the with Jennifer Connelly called Black, Black Dark Water. Yeah. Taste. But didn't complain at the time Dark because water. they thought that was normal for <laughs> L.A. Are you going to drink the water? No, I'm not going to drink the water. No, don't drink that. Come on, man. It's like eight Cheers. years. Eight years savage. before that it's happened, been, I mean, it has been Jennifer Conley years. had made that movie. It tastes just like water, but it's it's too much for me. To These guys are idiots. <laughs> Plus, there's like this weird fucking water pipe thing going on up here. Another interesting piece of info is from a statement from the hotel manager. Mm. Apparently, when Elisa checked into the hotel, she was originally in a hostel-style shared room, <clears throat> but later was moved to her own private room due to complaints from her roommates of odd behavior. It turns out the last time she was seen was actually on surveillance footage from the hotel elevator. I'm going to show you the key points of it. Show me? There's footage? Yeah, what you're about to see is... I, I don't, don't know. want to see... Is there dead... I don't want to see anything. No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's weird. I'll tell you that. It's weird. All right, so this is the surveillance footage from the elevator. This is the last time she was seen. Mm. So that's her. If you guys remember ever seeing this shit, it's her acting like she's on acid, fucking like, looking in and out of this elevator. It like looks like she's hiding. I remember hippies. Sure I remember hippies like, like this and her. deadheads and shit and Boulder so acting like this. Get out of the elevator, someone was on shrooms or whatever. But yeah, it's it's fucking bizarre, man. I mean, she appears to be moving her hands in like a really weird, inhuman way. Like, How is the elevator doors not closed yet? I have no idea. It is weird the elevator door like doesn't close either. Right now, right? Does it not look like she's talking to somebody directly in front of her? <coughs> yeah. I mean, not directly in front of her. According to what C2 is going to tell you, she is talking yeah. okay. to something. That's the video. I mean, Point something. That's strange. That's I'll give you that. super strange, right? That doesn't really give us any information. All right, hold on. The theory was that she was actually murdered, but right. the autopsy showed no visible signs of trauma body. So, if evidence suggests that it wasn't foul play, and it wasn't drugs, many wonder what could have like led Elisa to actually climb in the tank herself. 
And that's a good question because nobody knows even how she got up there. I mean, in fact, to get to the roof, Elisa would have to either A, climb up the fire escape, and there's three in the hotel, but you'd have to go out a window to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, B, go through a locked rooftop door that would set off an alarm if open. And no one knows Once she even got up there, which at this point, after seeing that video, I think it's highly unlikely she was able to do that, but okay, fair enough, she got up there somehow. She would have to get on the tank platform, climb up a 10-foot ladder, open a 20-pound lid, get into the tank, and somehow close the fucking lid after she got in. And then you also gotta remember she was naked, so that means she either took her clothes off before, or the clothes never found. The clothes were found in the tank, so she must have taken the clothes off in the tank. Or they were thrown in. Or they were thrown in, exactly, yeah. This whole scenario to me is fishy. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> That's not the word I would use. All herself. <laughs> um, another popular theory, and you're not going to like this, but I have to say it, is uh, ghosts. Mm-hmm. If you look at the video, it talking. appears as if Elisa is talking to someone right outside the elevator, which has led some on the internet to believe that she's talking mm-hmm. to the ghost of serial According to C2, she is. 13 murders and or some kind of energy. It's also worth noting that... I don't know about that Richard Ramirez shit. Absolutely not. I think it's just easy to peg it. There's even a little bit of a anyway, possibility a little hum- you get the picture. So I'm wondering, what is the deal, Robin? What, why are you showing me this stuff? And he, I saw this look in his eye. And I saw this, like, sincerity that he was actually getting ready to make this huge move to help people um like he was getting ready to help a bunch of people on skid row i don't think anybody knew that but some bad people found out or something like that that's what he was really trying to tell me you know i was just like well i'm trying to help i don't know how to i want to help so bad and he's showing me this stuff well, why Elise Lamb, you know? Well, because basically she was DNA positive for like some drug, apparently. He was showing me like this weird ass drug. Because what they don't tell you is a bunch of people that were drinking that black water uh, ended up getting tuberculosis. And it was like this big old planned out thing, you know? You can imagine it starts in the motel. People are drinking this evil corpse or it's contaminated. According to what C2 is going to end up telling you, it kind of totals out that the same people that got Robin Williams to really kill himself, and he did, but it was an accident. He showed me. It wasn't what he, it wasn't, it wasn't on purpose. I guess the same thing kind of happened to Randy Quaid with these star stalkers. That's what he was calling them or whatever. But these guys are all like fucking out to destroy good people in Hollywood that have good hearts and want to help people. And that was what, you know, you know Robin Williams wanted to help people. (laughs) They says suicide was selfish. I'm going to play a sample here in a second from Joe Rogan talking to Bobcat Goldthwait about the death of Robin Williams. And imagine, let's just say hypothetically what I'm saying is true. 
that they used this girl as a hibernation like chamber or something to spread this evil into the bowels of LA Skid Row <laughs> instead of going through with Robin's plan which was to help people sounds like everything else that's been going on anyway we're so desensitized to this shit that's the sad part <laughs> we're like oh we're used to this crap that we we should not be used to this you know that's not normal right yet we continually do it to ourselves why robin didn't have to die he just wanted to help a bunch of people at once and he had something sweet planned and some bad people found out. You already know my theories of who they are. Whatever. I don't need to launch into that. It doesn't matter if they're from another planet or from here. The shit's evil. We'll just leave it at that. And it sounds like they use black magic to inhabit this poor Elise Lamb. And so when people were getting uh, the coughing and all this shit and the whooping TB cough on a fucking skid row, they had the little medical truck come around. I tried to find the fucking examples of it, but they were handing out the pill. And you know what the pill was called? You ready? Lamb Elise. Lamb Elise. Why are you gonna call the pill Lamb Elise? Because it's her. She was the only one that could be the incubated chamber of this dark ass force to go against Robin Williams. <laughs> I know. And the music just makes it fucking more intense, right? Oh god. Well, here's that uh, little uh, soundbite from uh, Joe Rogan with uh, Bobcat Goldthwait. Like I said, Bobcat was like best friends with Robin Williams. And I happened to run across this today, and I thought it was interesting, so hold on. You know, he'd been sober most of his adult life. You know, so so it's very disturbing to me that a lot of people are trying to attribute <clears throat> all sorts of reasons for why yeah. he did it, and yeah. even there was a lot of like, um, well, that's <clears throat> these rights groups that were attributing it to uh, his divorce settlements. Oh, brother! Yeah, there was a whole thing well, that's where this guy was listen uh, to him debate it. Well, and I, but I according to what Robin showed me, but he was, these guys are yeah. either it's not revealing had, or way off. Uh, a disease. He had a disease that caused dementia that I witnessed. I didn't have anybody I talked to more. You know, I talked to him in text and every day. I didn't have a buddy that I talked to more. So, trust me, it, it, it wasn't a divorce. Right. It wasn't, I didn't it wasn't his family. It well, wasn't, it we wasn't. have the same agent. So, like, when this guy was saying... What he showed me, his divorce was a part of what made him go too far with... He was wealthy. Yeah. What happened. So, it kind of was his divorce. Yeah, I mean, no one wants to... Because, as human beings, we're trying to make sense of why that happened. And why that happened, in my opinion, 
which is right, <laughs> was his brain was. But getting, who would know more than you? Was yeah. his brain was getting uh, misinformation, and he was processing reality completely wrong. I mean, I I won't go into detail. Was he? But I did witness him thinking things that weren't real were happening. See, that sounds like what's going on. And that's the other thing. Like, people say, oh, he wasn't in the same bedroom as his wife. It's like, yeah, because he was having seizures and he didn't like to wake her up. Mm. It's not a question of somebody not getting along. I I didn't mean to get so personal. I don't mean mean to talk about about his his home life because, you know, Susan's a a, a wonderful gal. and, and, And it's just sad, you know? Yeah. No, it's awful. He it's got that the, part. One of the scariest things is um, it was talking sad. to someone who's, whether it's a loved one, a father, mother, yeah. it's losing their grip. And I think people were, they were courteous to a point, but I don't think they, they take his, his kids into consideration. Anyway. Friends and people who worked with him for all these years. And I guess... He goes on to drop the word conspiracy a little bit in a few minutes, but I didn't want to keep playing it. But he's like, well, you know, people come to the conspiracy theory, you know. But when he does say that, like, he was coming up with ideas that weren't there, how do you know that? Because according to what I was seeing, dude, and what I was encountering, and as a person who didn't know who the fuck... Robin Williams was outside of being this entertainer. See, Bobcat knows him. Okay? And I could probably be like, if I knew Robin and I started hearing this stuff and I hadn't heard it before, I'd probably be wondering too. But see, I ain't never met him. I've only met his ghost and he's hanging out with me right now tonight. You know what I mean? And he's showing me this shit. Why? What the fuck sense does any of this make? I'm not on drugs, dude. I'm not fucking drunk. I smoke weed all the fucking time, and motherfuckers do not hallucinate like anything even close to anything like that or anything, dude. You know, this is real. I didn't know about that least Lamb either, but I remember when I heard about it, I was kind of like weirded out about that, too. I don't know. I guess that kind of ends this part of it. Because I don't know what else to really say about it except for that Robin hung out with me until 2.56 or 2.57. I thought it was like 2.56 or 2.57 in the morning. And then like that, poof, he was gone. (laughs) I didn't hang out in L.A. too much longer after that. I started getting a bunch of more visions. It made me wonder why Robin came to me to begin with. You know, it must look pretty weird in that spirit world. I wonder what I'd look like there, like someone that he could safely approach. Because why else would he? I don't know. All right, well, we're going to come into the next half of the show and uh, get uh, C2 on here. He's going to tell you about some high-tech ass shit. Sounds like Ghostbusters. Sounds like the Ghostbusters explaining their technology. You're like, huh? What'd you say? Fucking Egon. <laughs> Alright, that's coming up, man. Hold on. Oh, I missed it. Damn it. Can you do it again? Yeah. Wow.
Alright guys, that's C2's mating call. Welcome back to the show. <laughs> I'm going to shut the fuck up because they already heard me yak it up about Robin Williams and Elise Lamb and everything I told you and now we're going to get your perspective specifically on Elise Lamb, right? It's not because mine was dealing with Robin Williams. Yours is dealing with Elise Lamb directly, correct? Um, we did visit site with authorization about six weeks after the body was removed to do our own investigation through a contract. Mm. Um, so, yeah, um, it was interesting. Um, you know, it wasn't super spooky or anything like that. And, it was interesting to look at the footage and look at the tanks and see everything else that was going on. It was, uh, um, <laughs> definitely was a uh, puzzler and, uh, at first, but then uh, it, it was an event that was over pretty quick. But uh, definitely you can kind of feel the psychic trauma in the area, for lack of a better term, with everybody involved in that. That was pretty interesting. Huh. Uh, well... How did you get called out there to begin with? Um, uh, I, I also, when I did America back then, I did executive escort and protection, and sometimes retrieval or just different scattered jobs, you know, within the legality of the United States. And uh, since I have a background in dealing with people who are in an occult nature or dealing with sites that have issues, uh, our group got called in on that, and that's really just a whole bunch of contractors that have had experiences in the fields, and uh, we just uh, basically call it other than normal, so we're all just OTNs, and people that are OTNs, uh, we train up and down the line, and we keep ourselves kind of dissociated, but come together for certain events or certain expertise, so mm -hmm. um, for the most part, we operate solo, but we communicate anything we have up and down the line to people who trained us or people we've trained or found having encountered and survived. So we had a group of us, uh, a total seven, and we were out there, and uh, we do a lot of different things. We actually even have a Kira Lynn camera, if you remember that stuff. And no. What was that? Uh, it could, you could take a picture of a leaf after you'd ripped it apart, and you could actually see the energy signature of the whole leaf. Oh, um, okay. I didn't know that's what it was called. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. photography is originally okay. developed in uh, Russia, but the newer stuff works, and it's kind of fallen out of favor, but mm -hmm. um, it was nice to get a broader sample of data. And mostly a lot of electromagnetic uh, field work, some magnetometers, uh, some gravitometers, and just basic, as sensitive as we can get field gear. And um, we went there and we did a full investigation of the elevator. And one funny thing is, is when you're a locksmith uh, on a federal level, you actually deal a lot with elevators due to the locking mechanisms and the safety and security mechanisms to keep people in and out of elevators. So. I was a de facto elevator specialist, and we looked, uh, I mean, we even checked for uh, micro holes or things that could have injected gas or drugs or anything like that that the investigations might have missed because uh, she was acting in a manner that was very similar to what some of us observed from a chemical attack, so that was one thing we had to eliminate, and uh, it was pretty interesting. We also had some... Um, Basically, there were uh, 
uh, polyprotein strips, and we took those down in different areas just to see if we could pick up any abnormal molecules that might indicate pheromones, because there are some OTNs which can secrete pheromones that can cause people amnesia, deja vu, all sorts of things like that. Unfortunately, that was all negative. So later on, we started getting some stuff in the Desigalf, which is a very small signature, but pretty specific, which started making us um, think it might have been something that is defined as sigma class, which is any entity that can cause insanity ending in abduction of an individual. These are things that can, what we call, step sideways, get a person and step sideways out, like uh, David Pallides has that missing 411 huh. thing where he's investigating what <coughs> sigma class is. Sorry, but... but I don't think he's actually gotten pretty far on him, but, you know, he's a retired detective from the police, so he's not going to listen to too much, and frankly, uh, that's fine with us. Hmm. Anyway, we did investigate the tank. Um, pretty interesting. It had been opened. Uh, the access port was not open previously before that, and you can actually tell that by the amount of uh, mold in the gasketing when they originally pulled it. We were able to read the report there, and the mold was not disturbed, uh, forensic analysis on that. Plus, the rust on bolts and the corrosion in the lock were all actually indicative of no um, manipulation or movement. Uh, huh. The only thing we found on it was an old repair patch on the top. It was three inches by five inches, and that was done by oxyacetylene. And the tank was actually uh, Tager MIG welded at one point early in its manufacture. Huh. One professional repair on the bottom. Uh, it has to be because they obviously developed a bottom seam leak, so they would have had to empty it and then actually uh, bring up Tager MIG equipment and put that weld back in. But that weld was at least seven years old just from oxidization and the type of rod used. Um, so it was pretty interesting. Um, with the information you told me and the stuff we've gathered, we actually defined it as a uh, sigma class. And what's pretty interesting about that is... Can you, that say that, uh, can you say that part again? Come a little closer to the phone if you can. I want to get you as clear as possible here. Hold on. Good. Right. Tell me where to start. I don't right know. there. Sigma class. Oh, a sigma class is an entity or physicality that can move sideways, and we don't know where that is. It just can come into our reality, existence, world, whatever, and uh, they are prone to causing insanity, ending in abduction of individual. And these torments can go on for short periods of time and be very abrupt or be very long term. And that's what you were just saying a few minutes ago, right? Yeah, and the average lifespan of a sigma manifestation uh, that's been quantifiable is 17 minutes, 37 seconds, like a lot of them that have physicality. Huh. So, don't know why that is. Could be something to do with the conservation of mass and how long they can exist, or, you know, I can go on forever on theorization on that. Okay. The, uh, um, what, can I stop but, you right there, man? Because it yeah. it's a lot. But I want to, all right, so, as far as Elise... Lamb getting into that fucking water tank. How did that happen? How, according to what you have observed, just walk them through in layman terms. How did how did she get in there? Literally, uh, she probably was pulled sideways, which is outside of our physicality or interaction, and whatever was done was done to her, and then she is put in the tank dead because there is no water in her lungs. Okay, but. 
that sounds like this fucking uh whatever that show is on Netflix. <laughs> With, no idea. It doesn't matter. It just sounds like okay, it sounds like a movie. Cause even in the spirit world that's a weird one. I'm under I'm trying to understand how that how does it's a lot less weird than you think because uh if you look there are literally thousands of people that have gone missing in national parks or even in cities that actually disappear in plain sight or just within seconds of no observation and are found twenty, thirty uh miles away within an hours, either dead or alive. And the ones in the city often are found in canals. Um, that's a pretty well documented one, documented one. Once again, you can check with David Pallades of Missing Pole one on that. Um, mm-hmm. The ability to pull sideways is just, you're not going to see it when it happens. Oh. Off, so. <sighs> that is fucking intense spooky. Well, there are ways to prevent it. And, uh, you know, there are appropriate measures to take, but one thing is that these things are not universal in their format nor manifestation, so you have some generalities that will apply, but there are situational problems that arise with almost every manifestation across all the classes, and uh, what's very interesting is an IOTA class is actually a microscopic infection occult in nature, and it's very interesting to look at this Sigma class as possibly pulling the individual across and infecting the individual and bringing it back and put it in, putting it in the tank. And it sounds like it was an overall huh. failed attempt, but it did cause some sickness, and that might have left other people open to some uh, future... <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Now, can this... Could she have been put used sideways uh, with black magic? Can black magic be something that put her sideways in that sideways thing? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I guess that we don't really call that black magic. I mean, we actually will call it entangled displacement. Um, somebody could do that with dark intent, um, mm-hmm. with making that black magic. But... That would be black magic, yeah. If someone did that with the intent to poison people in Skid Row, could they technically, like, why would they, I just don't understand, why Elisa Lamb? Like, she's all the way in Canada, too, and according to, like, there's more uh, documentary shit about her, and people try to solve it, and blah, 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 no one said what you said. I haven't heard that. And, you know, I, I have a tendency to believe it's it's real, you know, but I'm just wondering, why her, If why would, why you know, hypothetically, if she was the carrier of this tuberculosis, you know, to give to the, you know, poor people or to spread around poor people on Skid Row. Well, I don't believe she was a carrier. I believe that would have been an infection induced in the body, in the sideways, and then the body brought back. So you think, you know, when she's in the, if that's the case, like when she's in the elevator, then is she tripping on this drug? Or what is that? Yeah, Sigma classes have multiple different ways of getting at people that have been observed. Um, 
One is just sheer amount of electromagnetic feedback. And, you know, it's very interesting. People that work on phone towers actually can only get for about half an hour because that's about 45 minutes to an hour they start hallucinating. Just there's way too much. Is that right? Yeah, that's why phone, uh, phone tower worker is the highest fatality job in the world, period. And I had no idea. I never even heard that. Never even thought about it. I dealt with a lot of them in Africa putting in phone infrastructure and people getting nosebleeds and tripping balls coming down oh. the tower. And, I mean, a heavy electromagnetic field, uh, especially of that intensity and that close, can really jack your brain up. What I found interesting about her background was that she was a slightly autistic person, more Asperger's than anything, but she did spend an incredibly large amount of time around huge server banks uh, and programming. She was a computer science person. And uh, also, she's pretty small, weighing in under 100 pounds. And so there could be a lot of effects in there that we we're unsure of. Uh, she was Asiatic, so that always throws a uh, wrench because we have less statistical data on people from Asia over here than, you know, in the field. So I can't say anything on that. You mean specifically in the DNA? Is that what you're referring to? Like... It just could have a different effect or be more vulnerable or have just different backgrounds. She could have different upbringings and poor belief systems, which can actually get affected by that. I mean, some hmm. sigmas can use pheromones, which actually can cause fear or response. Or, And a really insidious one is deja vu. Sometimes entities can induce a... Uh, feeling of deja vu in a person, and that person feels comfortable and wants to go to where they remember being, even though they haven't been there. And that draws people off from groups and draws people away, and it seems very, very uh, nauseous or, you know, something that isn't that threatening to just feel deja vu instead of compulsion. It's a pretty nasty one, and I've actually experienced some deja vu phenomena in the field, which was externally induced, and Luckily, I knew what it was about, so I was able to communicate it, and we were able to prophylactically take care of it. But uh, huh. pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, fuck. I'm the stigma pulled her sideways, infected her, and uh, brought her back and dumped her in the tank. And you know that infection could have been an attempt to just collate a whole bunch of dis uh, collect a whole bunch of dysfunctional people in an area and make them vulnerable to a certain level and see how many were then susceptible to picking off at a later date. So what sort of thing, you know, what sort of vulnerability can be induced, um, you know. So iodoclast stuff or microscopic infection threats that are of whole nature, which can be produced by a lot of different things. In fact, uh, the most classic fictional one of an iodoclast would be a zombie bite. It's a supernatural virus, but I mean... Say it again, it's a what? Iodoclast. What is that? Microscopic infection threat that is occult in nature. Hmm. So I'm saying is a fictional example that I have never encountered, like a zombie bite plague thing that spreads out that's supernatural and viral in nature. But it could be spread through spit. Well, yes, uh, it has to actually have some sort of physicality. Um, I mean, viruses just concentrate on replication and, you know, taking over resources and doing different things. They really are pretty amoral. They don't have an agenda, but that's standard viruses. Iota-class viruses have a possibility of having an actual 
sentience once enough virus load is reached in somebody and making effectively a viral net of communication which can compel the person. Huh. I'm not sure what that means. You want to explain that a little bit? Uh, I couldn't hear you there. Hold on. What? You want to explain that one a little bit better? All right. Um, you know, let's say 10,000 viruses uh, in your body can't be really do too much. But if you have viruses, then, you know, if the virons actually have gotten all over your body and have compromised systems and propagated and put out toxins and done all sorts of things, then your behavior can actually start becoming that of a spreader. Um, you see this in fungus too, and you see this in bacterium as well. Like uh, the, um, there's an infection that occurs within cat poop that in certain cases can infect the brains of mice and humans, and it makes the mice and humans subconsciously start enjoying or desiring the smell of cat urine. This actually leads to oh. <laughs> mice to actually hang around. Uh, where the cats are and get eaten and then repropagate the virus through the cat. And, and hmm. you know, the crazy cat lady phenomena or cat person phenomena is really more indicative of a uh, entrenched brain infection that has actually compelled them to start, you know, being in environments that are not clean that have a lot of that uh, virus there. And like cordyceps, you know, that's a virus which affects ants. And uh, that can actually hijack the ant, the famous zombie ant, and make it go over the colony where the, the uh, fungal pod will actually rip out of its head and then drop spores on other animals. But ah! it hijacks the uh, ant and completely controls it. So one or two spores can't do it, but if you build up enough of a pathogen load, it can, in some cases, develop an actual chemical agenda to perpetuate its existence. Wow. That's fucking intense, dude. <laughs> the actual amount of probability for somebody to be able to uh, assist accidentally or otherwise a Sigma or some of the other classes to be able to come here for short periods of time is actually pretty rare. So in some cases different sorts of classes might actually uh, have a iota class with them that causes some sort of compulsion or at least increases their probability to um, be able to manifest at a later date. Hmm. You know, according to what Robin Williams' ghost was showing me, dude, he was like, very intent on this Elise Lamb being the beginning of this infection. I just wonder, why her? This is so weird, you know? This fucking weird no, one. Really. I mean, if you look at it, it's not like, why that individual? It's like the probability of that individual with the potential weaknesses and strengths cropping up that will allow manifestation or propagation is more of a question, and hmm. we have a lot of people on the planet and a lot of weird things going on, so eventually somebody can attract that sort of <laughs> mm -hmm. attention and actually have it happen to them. It's not why her, 
It's just she hit the probability zone of being the one that could be. A she just matched by. all the yeah. She just matched all the properties that they were looking for for. According to what I was being shown to create a, a pill. If it really wasn't like an anti TB pill and it had an alternative, it had an alternative motive, you know. Uh, then I'm wondering, you know, what that is and like how many, you know, undocumented statistics of people would have actually died in Skid Row. And I'm wondering how the fuck it's going there now, to be honest, with this virus currently. Well, it might not have been a virus for lethality. It just might have been a viron to actually our bacterium to make people more vulnerable and fall within the data sets so stuff can manifest. Not everything's about death or consumption. Some of these entities do have an agenda to come back or just a desire to come back as people. It made me wonder if uh, Robin Williams, like, if his plan would have went through and the evil people hadn't uh, <coughs> interfered and intervened like they always do somehow. <laughs> um, you know, it makes me wonder, like, you, do you think he would have pulled off a successful uh, thing in L.A.? Because it seems like it would have came out of left field. And he would have been just like, hey guys, by the way, here's free healthcare for the whole world or some amazing ass shit. That's where I felt like Robin Williams was always going to pull that shit right when, right before he passed away or, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's, uh, gets into the more human side of things. And unless it's shooting at me, I don't really deal with that too much. (laughs) Well, I guess so, yeah. I just wanted to point that out while you were pointing out this part. But yeah, it is te- the technical. You're on the technical end. I'm definitely on the human end. I uh, want to be on the, like, you know, meet somewhere in the middle safely. So that people don't feel too isolated. Because if you talk too technical too long, then they're just like, uh-huh. And it's just like it becomes like school. Yeah, yeah that's true. So you have to kind of keep it interesting on some level because if it sounds like a fucking AT&T manual, they're going to be like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah. Please press four now to continue. You're like, I'm hanging up. (laughs) Now, I mean, using the equipment I have made and used and uh, developed, and (laughs) (laughs) that's actually due to constant Darwinian pressure to adapt. (laughs) (laughs) Don't mind me. I'm just huffing uh, circus peanuts. Cool. Yeah. Ever, just really quick, did you get to see the martial arts video I sent you? Oh, no. Because I recorded the uh, Red and Stimpy episode. Hopefully you guys out there heard that already by the time you hear this. I was going to say, because that's got my uh, augmented exosuit power system in there, me demonstrating in that. Let me post it on the uh, Adam Air podcast page. Is that cool? If you want to say that's, um, I think, the uh, Montane Punk Martial Arts Montage or something. But yeah, my uh, one of my earlier prototype uh, full-body assault units that is like basically an exoskeleton is in there. That's pretty fun. Oh yeah, man. I want everybody to see this stuff, man. I'm just going to throw it up on the page. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I know. I mean, like, um, I don't know. I mean, a lot of people, it's just, you know, I originally started out merking and contracting, and, uh, you know, really the first other than natural event I can get of a, that was of a serious nature happened when we were laying in the roads for the diamond mines and putting in a whole bunch of foundations and doing blasting up there in Nunavut, hmm. which is the northernmost region of Canada. And, uh, some guy reported a bear, but it was actually just ripping the hell out of his area. And uh, so we all went out there. And, you know, when we're up there, we deploy pretty heavily anyway. And um, we had multiple systems of shotguns and just heavy repeating rifles. Um, and we kept our M4, so, you know, but they're not really super heavy. But we had some heavier ones. And uh, hmm. we got there, and uh, the guy's actually, like, shooting from his uh, area up there, which is a concrete cinder block uh, communications area and this thing's there and we don't even question it we think it's a bear so we just unloaded on the son of the gun and uh, you know made some pretty weird noises that i really can't describe and uh but didn't really matter we just you know got a full fire team of eight plus one and you know we're just ripping the hell out of it with everything we have just to like because it wasn't responsive at first but uh, the shotguns really started affecting it really bad and so we just switched over to that and just started ripping it apart and it's still moving on the ground. And so we got over there to take a look and it was deliquescing and smelled bad. So we backed off just in case there was something foul coming out of it. And literally after a little bit, the whole thing had just uh, turned pretty much into various types of slime, which, you know, we tried some for analysis and collected some, but none of it stayed persistent, which was actually pretty creepy. Uh, what color was it? Uh, ranged from purple, yellow, mostly discoid and clear. Mm. Some was hard density, some was actually soft, but it was really interesting because it seemed like it wasn't really affected too much by lead, but we have to use bismuth in our shotguns up there but due to the Indian regulations. And the bismuth rounds were actually affecting it pretty fucking hardcore. And, uh, but the lead, not so much. So that was curious. And we had only noticed that really when we started going back over everything. And there were bone fragments all over the place. Uh, only physicality we had, but they were actually hot and had cesium in them. And we were like, yeah. So we lead bagged those because we actually have our rare earth equipment. So, you know, we just put them in the lead sample bags and, that stuff got grabbed, and don't really know what happened to it, and that was my first uh, encounter with an OTN, and the native later described it as a uh, individual or really stout biped. That, they didn't say biped, but uh, it would... Could a Sasquatch? No, it just would appear around elk, and then would kill the elk, rip the head off, and put the head on it, uh, body and then that's how it fed and as it lived and as long as there was material on the body i mean in the skull and the thing it would slowly strip it and eat it and be absorbed into the body but that seemed to be that is fucking there. bizarre what in the fuck is that dude what the fuck is that you know strangely enough it does match the aqua wendigo wendigo mythos in a way you think it's more wendigo style well i mean if it appears around deer or elk and rips their head off and puts it on there and it's actually said to rip off the heads of uh, people once it gets established and repeat the process as the skulls run dry so to speak and 
that's pretty interesting. The fact that the skull is irradiated with cesium at that point is something that's an odd question. Um, don't know why that is, but it could be a byproduct of that. But I don't think it actually needs food. I wonder if it needs matter or, I, you know, it needs something that probably exists in this world so it can stay here because conservation of matter usually chases most of the physical ones out in about 17 minutes, 37 seconds, pretty consistently. But it seems this one found a workaround. And I had to put all this together over quite a few years, but after that event, uh, three of us there were contacted by another Merc, and he started telling us about OTN, which is other than normal. And it's not an organization. It's nothing like super secret. It's just people that have encountered things like this and have survived, and somebody hears about it, and there's a lot of people who are OTN. It becomes an OTN. Other than normal. Yeah. So I effectively became an OTN just voluntarily. They said, hey, survive one. Uh, and, you know, we don't really have big meetings. It's just that the people that contact us originally, we communicate upline with. And people that we have found and effectively, I guess, recruited, which I hate that word, <laughs> are downline. So we have, uh, you know, a way we communicate upline and downline with information we've encountered and events we've had. and if we need certain group gatherings, we'll communicate upline and downline, and that's it. It's just that a lot of us value our privacy, so and we don't really want to be an organization, so and we like doing our own things. So, but you know, if we need help, we need help. You know, so. Well, thanks for the lowdown on that one. What? Well, thanks for the lowdown on that. I didn't want to stray too far away from Elise Lamb. Oh, okay, good. Sure. You know what I mean? Because that's really what this is about. I kind of wanted you to just rip the fuck out of that. Yeah, I felt a little background on stuff necessary for people. Yep, I want you to talk about that, Elise Lamb. You got anything else you want to say about Elise Lamb? Because <laughs> I want you to break that motherfucker down. I never heard about the pills. And, uh, you know, they said the hazmat uh, variant of the site was clear, so we didn't really... I never knew about the pills until he told me about it, and that's kind of interesting. It is. It's um, fucking weird, right? Yeah, it is. I mean, we were only out there for probably 36 hours on site, 72 hours in state. Um, you know, so really, we just gathered the info we had and gave it to the parties that had requested it outside of uh, uh, law enforcement or any other, and this was an independent ask, and, you know, paid okay, and it was an easy gig, and got in and out and saw some weird stuff on the meters. We never really saw anything physically that was too odd. Uh, we saw the videos long before anybody else did, and you know, that's why we were originally suspecting nerve agent. And then we started looking at possible pheromone tracing or, you know, because her toxicology was uh, pretty much benign. There was no sexual assault on the body. That's right. Only actually, yeah, and the only actual, like, a uh, physical scratch that had been inflicted before she died was across her sacral spot, which mm -hmm. uh, occurs on most Asiatic individuals, especially Chinese, with a little spot near the sacrum. Um, but that could be strictly coincidence, um, that I wouldn't know what that meant if it wasn't. Hmm. Man, I do already have to wrap it up because I want to keep the show, like, just long enough oh, for yeah. people's attention span before they fucking start wanting to fucking Netflix and chill and shit. Okay. 
<laughs> no, it was great. I needed that. Exciting things in the world, boring. Well, I thought it was interesting to have your perspective on it, and you know, because I I haven't heard that before. Any of these, uh, you know, OTNs. You were the only. You were the first person that brought that to my attention. You know, so I felt like you know this is part of this deal. But um, and I and and thank you for being part of the first half and half show. You know, I wanted to do this kind of like the first solo. You know, like you said and. Through this kind of like time to take this to tell the story, and then to have like some you know retrospect on it. But yeah, I appreciate that kind of more on that science end, even uh, you know because you really are a scientist. So and yeah, uh, I'm more of an experiential. One that has to react to variable data, but... Um. <laughs> that sounds like a fucking scientist. What do you guys think out there in TV land? <laughs> well, look, uh, I love you, bro. Look, sis, brosis. I'm going to... What are you, my brosis? Or a cis... cis yeah, cis <laughs> <laughs> You're awesome. Just you, man. All right, guys. You guys are awesome, too. Thank you for joining us. I'm going to wrap it up here. Hold on. I'll be right back. This episode's been pretty intense because it deals with four very strange elements as characters, too. And the one, being a skinwalker, because remember how I opened up the episode and I was talking about the coyote, you know, and the guy was coming up the wolf. I don't think he said, uh, I think he said, is it a, is it a mountain lion? Is it a wolf? And I said, no, it's a coyote. Yeah, that's what he said, a wolf. You know, that's a skinwalker, man. Go look it up. That's Navajo, dude. Straight up. Legends of the Skinwalker. And that motherfucker was, because as soon as that guy was coming up the bike, when he was biking up the street, and he goes, what is it? Hey, hey, hey. And I looked behind, and I looked at that coyote, and he knew he was fucked. So there's that part. Then it's about Robin Williams finding an access point to come up and meet me and felt safe somehow. Enough to tell me some intense information that I... <laughs> it, I'm not going to say I'm never going to be able to use it. I used it tonight. But for tonight, it's just for entertainment purposes. Will I be ever to really ever do anything with this information? Fuck if I know, dude. But it gives me some serious antacid. <clears throat> That's why I gotta take fucking thumbs all the fucking time. Cause visions have been getting stronger, Nebrew's getting closer, things are closing in. I've been getting this shit for like five years now. It's just a power grid. And then the third one would be the connection from Robin Williams if what I'm saying has any validity. Somehow Anite or Anite <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, Elise Lamb is uh, somehow involved with the death of Robin Williams. Hmm. And then the, the fourth one is the unexpected added bonus from fucking C2 talking about blowing that fucking Wendigo eight ways from Sunday. Why do we got to kill everything? 
I know he had to do what he had to do or whatever, dude, but... Mm -mm. How do you know this big old fucking thing ain't there to spread some peace just because he looks fucking hostile? Maybe he was hostile. I fucking don't know. Wendigos sound like they are hostile. Anyway, we got to talk about four crazy ass things tonight at least. <laughs> I'm munching fucking antacid like they're fucking penny candy. <laughs> I'm like, my ass has got some heartburn. Alright, hold on. I'm going to play this Robin Williams fucking little sample for you. This is off of entertainment tonight. Fucking YouTube. Here, hold on. Robin Williams made people laugh throughout his entire career, but there were also moments that give us chills, especially so soon after his passing. Just this year, The Angriest Man in Brooklyn featured this disturbing scene. By the time you see this, I'll be dead. I hope you can forgive me. Hmm. I pray for your happiness. Whatever swanning around you want to do, you have my love and my blessing. I'm sorry this only came clear to me now that I'm dying, but that's how life rolls out. Mm. The only people who don't look back with regret are idiots and psychopaths. Mm. And I got a lifetime of regrets, boy. In 2012, he guest starred on an episode of Louie that was centered around the passing of a man named Barney. So, you knew Barney? Yeah, sure. Were you close? Um, well, I, uh, I worked at, at the club. Oh, the laugh center. Yeah, and, um, what did you, were you, you were close to him, were you, I knew him. And in 98, Robin dies mm. on screen in the haunting What Dreams May Come. Mm. Just look at your own life and just realize what, what things are precious to you. That's what I did when I was doing it. You know, I would come home and just realize, oh, extraordinary, that there is, you have heaven in front of you. And, and sometimes people say, and also hell, you bastard. But also it, that idea that you have, look around and see the precious things, the connection with family, friends, the, the, the things in your, and the people, especially in your life. But it was his response mm. to a question about death on Inside the Actors Studio back in 2001 that really hits home. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? They're seating near the front. <laughs> Concert begins at five. It'll be Mozart, Elvis, and they, one of your choosing. Or, or just a nice, if heaven exists, to know that there's laughter, that would be a good thing. Just to hear God goes, two Jews walk into a bar. <laughs> well, that would uh, <clears throat> be like some of the last shit he said, I guess. I don't know. Don't know what to tell you. I don't know why he chose to come talk to me. And I don't know why he chose to tell me this shit. And I can't prove that it's not some mental illness that's just in my fucking head. But I am going to leave you on this note. Uh, C2 said that a skinwalker is repellent to, like, copper conductive shit or whatever. And if you are ever in, you know, in danger of a skinwalker or carry some copper on you? I don't fucking know. I'm going to have to get back to you on that one. <laughs> Probably wrong as shit. I know I am. 
Anyway, guys, thank you for joining me tonight. And uh, here's a little skinwalkery thing for you. Thanks for joining me tonight, guys. We're surrounded by things we just don't understand. There are many truly terrifying legends that originate from Native American folklore. One that stands out for many is the Wendigo, maybe because deep down it reflects our very own human nature. But there are legends out there that we know next to nothing about, because they are deemed so horrid, so evil, that even talking about them or mentioning them in passing is a bad omen. Today's video will be on the Nadlushi, the Navajo Skinwalker. Now, skinwalkers are a topic I've wanted to cover for a while, but the taboo around the subject does mean there isn't a wealth of information out there. So I guess we start with the obvious. What exactly is a skinwalker? At first glance, skinwalkers are essentially shapeshifters, but shapeshifter in itself is a very loose term. You can transform into an animal, an object, or another human. It literally just means you can alter your shape or form. The transformation of skinwalkers for the most part is limited to just animals. The biggest hint we get is from its native name, Nadlushi. In the Navajo language, this roughly translates to mean he or she who goes on all fours, but that doesn't necessarily limit the transformation to four-legged animals. The Navajo saw skinwalkers as powerful witches or corrupt medicine men who had obtained the highest level of priesthood, but instead they choose to use these supernatural abilities to inflict harm and suffering on others. The fear of repercussion coupled with a distrust of outsiders are two fairly compelling... You've been listening to Adam Air, MD, GDD, Underground Cartoon Therapy.